Welcome to The Grounded Catholic, the podcast of Catholic Who's at the University of Virginia. I'm Father Joseph Anthony Cress, and Karen and I have an awesome episode today and a very exciting one in the uh, kind of history of our ministry as we talk about the upcoming dedication of our new church here in Charlottesville. Our, uh, it's been a long time coming. It's been about three years in building this church uh, here at St. Thomas Aquinas in the university parish that serves the entirety of the University of Virginia. So we kind of talk about what that means to our ministry and the excitement that we have in this, this great moment of the upcoming church dedication that we have here. So uh, I hope you enjoy it and that it helps you prepare for this new church as well as the rest of the ministry that will flow from this church. Welcome back to The Grounded Catholic. It is, we're happy to have you back this week and thank you for listening at all times. It is a joyful week, right, Corinne? I mean, we're <laughs> so happy. <laughs> This is it's a crazy yeah. week because it is dedication of the new church week. So there's a lot of busyness, a lot of chaos, uh, a lot that's happening right now, uh, yep. planning and details and all that stuff. But it's a, it's a joyful moment and one that we've been longing uh, for, waiting for for a really really long time. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge there have been multiple times that we'll be talking through the episode. And Father <laughs> will come to like a nice stopping place and be like, oh, just there's one last thing. And then he'll like drop some ridiculous bomb that can only elicit a million questions. And then he hits the record button and is like, so here we go. We're talking about stuff now. Corinne, get it together. And I'm over here looking like sounding like an idiot. Yep. <laughs> there are tears in my eyes. <laughs> He's, I'm trying to keep it together. I have so many questions. Oh, my gosh. About our new church, right? <sighs> yep. Yep. No, I, you've, that's all, you've talked about that so much. I've heard, I've, you've done like the tours, yep. you've talked about the crucifix, you talked mm -hmm. about all these different things. So I've heard a lot about it. Maybe our dear students have not. Um, but no, the office is buzzing. It's so, it's very exciting. I didn't realize that little, um, like vinyl sign that's hanging yeah. at the entrance when you walk up. Mm -hmm. Has it always been about the dedication? No. Okay. That just showed up like not even a week ago. Okay. I was like, I've been walking past this nah. for months and only recently I realized that it's about the dedication. Uh, no, that okay. just showed up a little bit ago. Well, cool. Yeah. You're not that, like, uh, oblivious. I mean, I can be, for <laughs> sure. But. Squirrel. No, it's, this is very exciting. It's, it feels like the culmination um, of years. It feels like that. Well, because, because it, it is. Because it is that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, touche. Um, this is something, I mean, we, we talked a little bit uh, before we hit record, was the fact that looking back, we have not spent an academic year in this ministry here at UVA in, in the church. No, I actually, as soon as I was hired, 
and you like I think there were a few weekends that we mm-hmm. were in the main church and then you had me like make announcements after mass and then that next weekend is when they closed the doors to begin demolition right so that was in August of 2017 indeed it was so you got out there, kind of introduced yourself to the parish, to the university community, and then we moved ourselves into our kind of temporary worship space Was that in the parish hall. Were students back then? I think it was like the week before they came back. That's what I, I thought, yeah. Because we reset, we moved into the temporary, or the parish hall to, yeah. to have mass, and we redid our mass schedule on opening weekend of the academic year. That should never happen again. I hope I don't think it will. I mean, with this new church, like I'm really hoping that we don't uh, move around with things. It just—I mean, I guess it was—it was good coming into something so crazy because I had no idea of what was normal. So I'm willing to just roll with whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I and it's kind of like Nelly. Would you? Please don't. um you done no i know um there's more where that came from i'm sure but okay actually you done yeah i'm done okay um but i like growing up in charlottesville i was used to coming down to saint thomas my sister helped out with youth group stuff down here and um This was usually like where I came for daily mass Mm -hmm. during like breaks during college and stuff like that. So the old parish was something that was very familiar to me and something that I guess I associated with like growing up in Charlottesville. And so this is very strange to like, like my whole time working back here it's been in a new space. So it almost felt like I was at a new church that I was in like a new town. Like everything was very new. So it was a very marked like difference. Um, so this feels, this also like, this feels really big. Yeah. And it's been very strange being back in the new church and recognizing that there's still something left undone. That, that has been a very odd experience. So we, the the opening of the new church and the reopening of the parish after the pandemic coincided with each other. Yeah. So they both kind of happened at the same time on Pentecost weekend where we started having public masses again. Right. And then we were welcoming our parishioners back. And in God's great providence, we were able to do that in the new church. And the bishop allowed us saying, okay, yes, you have this space that is actually very conducive uh, to a lot of the regulations that we have because of the, uh, the coronavirus pandemic and all that stuff. There's no way we could have done that. We could have reopened as a parish in our temporary worship space. No, 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 no way. No. And so we're very, very lucky that we had that, um, you know, this new church to be able to welcome everybody back into um, for the first time. And, like, as the parish was reopening, it was a really interesting kind of experience to go through that um, because nobody had been in the church before because uh, it wasn't finished before the uh, pandemic. And then once we all kind of come back and everybody's joyful to get back to the sacraments, but then there's this added joy to come back into the new church to receive those sacraments for the first time after a few months. And that kind of continued 
into this past month, like welcoming students back who hadn't been to Charlottesville. Um, they're coming back for the first time and to see their eyes open up and say like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Like when we left, uh, we couldn't even see the floor. Right. And now there are pews and everything's complete. So mm-hmm. like it's a really joyful thing to kind of welcome people back into the, into the new church at the same time. And it's it's something that like I I missed the physical space of the church of just being able to go into churches during the pandemic when masses public masses were canceled and like I mean there are two sides to this like on the one hand I miss the familiarity you know like mm-hmm. the smells and the bells like all of those like very external expressions of worship um, and liturgy and then on the other hand it was this beautiful realization that the body of Christ is not limited to a physical space, like that the church, every single Catholic church could be destroyed, like physical space could be wiped off of the earth and we would be no less a church. Like the Catholic church would be lacking in nothing because of that. And so there's kind of this like, yeah, both, like both and like this is so important and yet it's not (laughs) it's it's a weird experience because you realize like the connection that we have to these church buildings yeah isn't just because it's a monument or something but like there's something deeper there because you realize well actually i i identify with that church building Mm. It's not just a connection. It's kind of like a, a, a union, an identity, because we are meant to be the temples of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I identify with this temple of stone because it's supposed to direct me in how I'm supposed to live. Well, I think I I think the in the ways that I felt very connected to church, like to specific buildings, particularly churches, like. I think the spaces besides like my childhood home Mm -hmm. that I feel the most like deep emotional connection to are spaces of prayer and of worship that I've encountered. So Mm -hmm. I think about the Adoration Chapel at Belmont Abbey that has housed so many like beautiful intimate moments between me and the Lord and between me and like friends. Like I was a member of a household and I visited during the pandemic I drove down to to Belmont Abbey to just walk around because I had a lot more free time. (laughs) I was like, let me just visit these like beautiful spaces that meant so much to me. So I went, I prayed in the chapel and I, the the memories that came flooding back was the time that I spent in prayer with my household sisters. I think it was Monday evenings. We would pray a rosary and like, and sing together. And, And it's not even just limited to, like those times of like one-on-one silent, you know, adoration or just going through a mass, but like times where you get to share in intimacy with Christ with your brothers and sisters. And <clears throat> like, I, th- I think even like going deeper than just connecting by like, huh, like that's a Catholic church. I can, I know what to expect inside right. of there. Like that's associated with this faith that I, that I share with other people. Like, it's so much of like our, like our sharing our hearts, you know? Yes. So I feel like the, the physical space 
has housed parts of my heart Mm -hmm. that have never opened up anywhere outside of that space. Yeah. (coughs) I, I don't, I I love that understanding of like the purpose of these spaces because they're not just venues. No, it's not like a concert hall. Exactly. Yeah. I can have some pretty intense emotional experiences at concerts too, but believe me, I don't see leave me on behind. The front row screaming, <laughs> leaning over the rail. Yes, I've seen it. You've I've seen, seen it. it. You know what that's like. That's a great experience. That's an emotional experience, and those are memories. Yeah. But it's different than the the emotional. I would say even the transformational encounters you have in a in a Catholic church. Right. You know, and, and how that church is supposed to be conducive to that is, is a really important thing and how it can um, can prepare you for that and lead you to that. Sometimes when you don't even know what you want, you know, that you you, just, you have these desires and hungers and things aren't right and you just go and sit into the church and then there's subtle ways that a church can help lead you towards that and keep your focus on the Lord um, in that, in the way that architecture is set up. Um, so there's kind of two things I, I want to, touch on as we prepare for the church dedication uh this upcoming sunday so just a few days away um i want to talk a little bit about the architecture but then i want to talk about the dedication itself because this Mm -hmm. is something that is not really common in our catholic life and not many of our uh not many of us have the opportunity to participate in that whether it's in person or via live stream on a regular basis so i want to want to talk uh about that and you know see the beauty in there but sure as i was mentioning like a physical space, a church, is to be conducive to our prayer, help lead us in subtle ways, uh, kind of guiding us towards certain things. And our new church is, uh, the style of architecture that it is, is Romanesque architecture. And so it's very ancient architecture, uh, and it's there are many churches throughout the world that are Romanesque, but I remember a talk by a Polish Dominican. Of course. Shocker. You say that like it's a bad thing. Okay. No, no, you're just very predictable. <laughs> um, well, I talked about one of our Polish brothers, and he was talking about art, and I believe he was an architect himself. I, I, I don't know that for sure. But he was talking about how the church's patrimony of different architecture is always reflective of the needs of that present time. So he said, like, Baroque architecture came about in time um, after the Trinitarian Council where there was this presentation of the faith, the presentation of God as one of uh, overabundance, one of grandeur in uh, this kind of, like, uh, constant, uh, just, like, yeah, just an overabundance of, of God. And his grace is always abundant. His life to us is always um, just in, in, in great supply for us, you know? And that's why you see, like, you walk into a Baroque church and it's kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of gold. It's very sensory. There's a lot of fat little cherub angels floating around. Uh, yeah, it's kind of creepy. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, we were in a few of those when we were in Poland. Yeah, There were definitely. a couple of those in Krakow. Mm-hmm. I mean, incredible and just how ornate and like the detail and every little thing. And you just, you feel like you're a part of something very big and like the kind of deity that would occupy this space must be as, as, yeah, as (laughs) as as, worthy of this and as big as the, yeah. So 
but then like you can look at gothic architecture french gothic english gothic whatever it is but like it's always it's very vertical you know and um especially at a time where a lot of the world was very horizontal um you walk into these churches and it draws you up into god it keeps you vertical and leaves you leading you up into god himself and then the stained glass and things like that were very catechetical ways of of educating the faith and telling the lives of the saints and and things like so there's a Mm -hmm. lot of beauty in that um and um but there's this desire i think currently right now for um minimalism in our world that we live in a world that is very um and that has a lot of sensory overload marie kondo this mess you better believe it you know if it doesn't spark joy get it out of there uh yeah so we have this like sensory overload everywhere we turn we carry our phones you know smartphones in our pockets that just lead to everything well, we're constantly and, being bombarded by no, advertisements mm-hmm. like everything even if it's not gaudy it's at least continual yeah. notifications that are pointless mm-hmm. you know things you never ask for are, are forcing themselves into your life sure and when you walk into church that's why like uh right now you don't see a lot of baroque churches being constructed no like nobody nobody desires that because it's like well that's pretty much every other second in my life that's loud that's loud yeah 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 mm-hmm. and um you see a lot of churches that are being built right now are being built in a romanesque style because that's a architecture within the patrimony of the church that lends itself to kind of minimalism and that's actually really beautiful if you walk into our church it is very clean lines there's natural light everywhere. It's a very bright church. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the materials that are used are very dignified. Whether there's marble, there's um, you know beautiful hand carved statues. The Even pews, just the wood, the wood is so yeah. exquisite. Everything's very dignified, but simple. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this new church is that in that like dignified simplicity we're placed within the presence of a God who humbles himself to be simply one with his children. And this is a place that can, is conducive to that. Like no matter where you sit in the church, you are physically like as a guiding hand, you're physically oriented towards the tabernacle. Mm. Every seat can see the tabernacle. Like that's the focal point. Like just its physical structure. You can't deny that. And it's so beautiful because in our life where we're so kind of, I don't know, hectic and there's so much um, complexity, you walk into that church and you're just uh, presented with a beautiful simplicity. And God himself who is simple and humbles himself to be one with us. And and this is a place to encounter that God. And I love that. Especially Mm -hmm. in the Eucharist and the sacraments. Like that's what the focus is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... I do love how beautiful and simple the church is. And I I see like so many people are drawn to spirituality and stepping foot into a church because they desire rest and oh, they desire yes. a place of peace and quiet and a place where they can be like at peace with their thoughts. And, you know, like... I, I find the Adoration Chapel here so beautiful because it is, it's just quiet and peaceful. And I think we, even though like this could be a whole other thing, um, we tend to avoid silence mm-hmm. 
um, like deep, deep, deep silence, um, we still crave those opportunities that shut out noise more. And I, I do think that our new church does that very well. One of my favorite lyrics from 21 Pilots is no sometimes boy. silence is violent. <laughs> and we're, we, true. you know, and we're scared of that, but this church does that really well. Mm-hmm. It's a very large space and acoustically it's a very live space, Yes, but yet it's, it encourages, I think, um, rest. It encourages peace mm-hmm. even in the midst of all that. Um, so yeah, I could talk more about all the architectural elements, the little details and stuff like that, but that's not for this right now. Yeah. The other thing that I want to talk about was the upcoming dedication mass yes. and the excitement behind that. But you brought up, uh, Prisha, a really, really cool point about the importance of ritual and why this is this dedication mass means so much. It's not just another mass, but there's something very, very important to that at this time and what ritual means in the midst of all of this. Yeah, as human beings, I think we we need, not just that we crave, I think we need um, marked, fixed points of transition. That's mm-hmm. why we put so much into graduations. And that's why I think a lot of people felt very disoriented being deprived of that graduation. When you put a lot of time into, you know, like those four years of high school, those four years um, of college, and then it just kind of ends, you're kind of left floundering. Like, is it really over? Like, that was it? Like, we we need... Um, Time I was recently just brought back into that. I was looking for a notebook, and I think I told you a little bit about this. Yeah, I yeah, found yeah. Um, so when I was a focus missionary, so I was a missionary for three years, and then um, the year that I left staff, they just started. So this was the first time they did this, but they did a retreat that was meant to be like a commissioning and a transition. Mm-hmm for like missionary life into whether it was the workplace, family life, um, religious vocation, or, you know, continual ministry, but you're not a focused missionary anymore. So like, let's acknowledge that and like, remember that time, then move past it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this seems like overkill. And, (laughs) and, you know, like, I don't know, sometimes I, I really don't like thing, like doing things just for the sake of doing things. No, you just that. Oh, I very much do. So, so I was kind of like, well, you know, going through this ceremony and commissioning, <laughs> like this seems extra. And I don't know if I buy into this, it doesn't feel authentic, but it was actually like at the end of it, it felt so important. And I feel like this is, this is so needed for the parish yeah. and just acknowledging right now, the church upstairs, it's just a building. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not, a, you can't, it's not even really a church yet. It's a space that we can use, but there's nothing really that marks it or sets it apart from like using a school's gym. Mm-hmm. It's just prettier yeah. and it's a little more conducive to doing the things of liturgy and of worship. That's it. But after this, and like, I, I am, you know, I, I was a little, a, a little bitter that we started using the church without the dedication Mm -hmm. um and 
that just felt very strange to me. Like, I'm not supposed to bow to the altar. Well, <laughs> try telling any Catholic to walk into a church, sit in their pew, and not genuflect. Or a movie theater and not genuflect. Well, exactly. I mean, that's hard enough for us. So We've all done it. Like, all try that. getting that through our heads. Yeah. That doesn't make sense to us. Like, there's such cognitive dissonance <laughs> with, with, like, making that make sense. So, um, but I do see, like, now thinking about it, the immense value of taking the time Mm -hmm. and as a parish being invited into like right now, this is just a building. This is just brick and wood and marble and a bunch of different pieces that are coming together. But afterwards this it's a different space and we have to treat it as such. And so we're invited into this ritual of claiming this space for God Mm -hmm. and for our own community and our spiritual benefit. And, I know there's so many different things that go into this father and you know, for those of us who are attending, we'll get to see it in person. And for those of us live streaming, it'll probably be a little more confusing. So if you want to talk through some of those like really important things, I'm sure that would be helpful for all of us in participating. I love though that that mentality of approaching this dedication, not so much as another liturgy, or well, even yeah. another event or another production of something. But it's like, no, this is a important ritual. Like you said, it's a ritual of transition. Mm-hmm. Um, our rituals are those moments of dedicated, marked times of transition. And at every point of transition, and you know this stuff better than I do, so I'm at the end of the day, I'm paraphrasing you. But um, the first thing that happens when you transition from something is actually you, you grieve the loss of something familiar. Yes. Right. In preparation for something new. Right. And I love graduation ceremonies because what's typically talked about is that a graduation is not a graduation. They call it like a commencement ceremony. It comes at the end of four years of of college or school, but it's actually the beginning of something greater, you know, and looking at this church dedication that falls into that kind of realm of the end of this transition period, this end of this period where we were in a temporary worship space, where we actually didn't have a church, a permanent house for God, kind of like we were wandering through the desert for a number of years, waiting for the permanence of God to take residence in our midst, you know? And that's where we are, but that's about to happen. And there's such beautiful things um, in that ritual that we see, um, I think the the biggest things to talk about in that liturgy are the anointings that take place. Ooh, Ooh. Mufasa. Oh my <laughs> <No>. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the the anointings that take place, um, so there's oil and then there's fire. Ooh. And then there's um the inauguration of the tabernacle. The inauguration yep. of the tabernacle. What does that mean? There's going to be pyro and foghorns. I hope so. Yeah. No, the anointings are really beautiful because uh, the bishop um, takes off his vestments and approaches the altar with a jar of chrism, which is the perfumed oil, the most sacred oil that we use in the church. And it's only, 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 only used when we are consecrating things, setting things apart for the explicit purpose for God. And your hands were yep. anointed with chrism mm-hmm. during your ordination mass, right. correct? And so was your head. 
Yep, when I was baptized. And confirmation. And confirmation. So baptism, confirmation, priesthood Mm. all involve chrism. And then the consecration of a church. Those are the only four? Yeah. Wow. I'm trying to oh, think. Are no, we talking about the sick? Do they? they that's don't not chrism. That's a whole other oil. Okay, okay, okay. Called the oil of the infirm. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. What else chrism's used for? But I think that's it. Wow, special. Special. You're <laughs> <laughs> so special. But the the bishop then uh, walks up to the altar, and I have on good report that he likes to use a lot of chrism on the altar, and he Bring just it. smothers chrism all over the the top of the altar. It's awesome. And he just like it drips over the edge. It's just it, it's flowing over. And the reason that chrism is so important is a perfumed oil, so you can't deny it. Like you know that it's being used, and it um, it covers all of that. And then he goes throughout the church, and you'll see there's twelve gold crosses on the church on the w- church walls with candles in them. And then he'll anoint the walls of the church, like he anoints your forehead at confirmation. The same oil, the same gesture of a cross. Does this have to do with something about, like, it, does the chrism always have something to do with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. It's it's the, out of the three oils, the oil of the saints, um, or oil of catechumens, is used at baptism. The oil of the sick, oil of the affirm, is used at uh, the anointing of the sick, and then sacred chrism. Which so is it, also used at baptism. Yep. Also used at baptism, holy orders, confirmation. But chrism is actually represents Christ himself. So the hypostatic union of uh, divinity and humanity coming together. So you have oil that is infused with um, the perfume, uh, the fragrance of divinity comes together, and you cannot separate them. Do you know what, what like, smells like the perfume? Like, what, what is it? It's balsam. Balsam. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I used to... Yeah, that's a whole other story. I was okay. a diocesan seminarian once. <laughs> we used to have balsam around. It was fine. Don't worry about it. I uh, don't... Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. We're going to move on. So anyway, the, the walls of the church are anointed just like your forehead is anointed at confirmation. It's kind of showing that connection between the temple of God and the temple... The, the, our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit mm. and this church now becoming a consecrated temple for God. That's cool. Right? So you see the sacraments just flowing through everything. Mm -hmm. And then those 12 crosses uh, have candles on them, and they're only lit three times a year. This isn't for every church. This is for our church, This is our church. Well, it should be in every church, but I'm not going to go there. Huh. Yeah. Every, Every church has their walls consecrated. Not everyone has the candles on it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. But these candles, apparently they're important and signify something. Yeah. So three times a year they get lit. They get lit at Christmas. Get lit. Easter. <laughs> and the anniversary of the dedication of the church. Getting lit. So when you see those candles lit up. The wine is flowing. Yep, let's go. Um, and then right after that, there's a brazier that is brought to the altar. So the, the altar is still dripping with oil. Do they clean that up or no. is this just, it just seeps into the... Well, eventually you clean it up, but oh. not immediately. And then the brazier is brought out. What's that? It's like a fire pit. Oh, okay, okay. And it's put directly on the center of the altar. Ooh. And it's lit. And there's all this fire going up 
and the bishop just keeps throwing incense, shoveling incense in. Shoveling? Yeah. Like it's big enough where you need a shovel? Well, not like that big, but we're going to use like a mini shovel, like a little spade. Does the chrism catch fire? Uh, I wish. Can so, it? Yes. Actually, it can. So <laughs> there are two options in the dedication of the church for the um, the brazier. One is to use a metal brazier that's put on there on the altar. One is just to like literally the light other. the altar on yes. fire. Actually, yes. You take a pile. What? You take a Why pile. Why are you not doing that? I wish I had my right. Uh, I do somewhere around here. Your right? Oh. <laughs> the right of the dedication of church because I am a liturgy nerd. Um somewhere in here doopy doopy doop i'm not even gonna look it up now it'll take forever doopy doopy doop um but the other option is to take a pile of wax tapers and incense and just put it directly on top of the altar so the altar is already seeping uh wet with oil and you just put this pile of incense and tapers on there and then light that on fire and once that lights on fire it'll light the oil on fire so then what ends up happening is the entire top of the altar is on fire are we doing that? No. Why? Because I don't know. I want to, but we don't. Okay. If if a petition were to start, yeah, no, no, how... that's not gonna happen. Anyway, it's so cool. This is a once in a lifetime. Event I know for us to light the church on fire. Light them up, literally, with the Holy Spirit. Our Lord came to set fire to this world, and right? how He wishes it were, we're already, already burning. burning. So let's light them up. Anyway. I think that's. I think it's awesome. Maybe the biggest disappointment I've ever. <laughs> I shouldn't no. have known. No. I shouldn't have known that that was <laughs> what could happen. <laughs> but what I love about that is the fact that we are actually consecrating something, setting something apart for God via fire. I love how integral fire is to the Catholic life, from well, the Easter vigil yeah. to the consecration of the church. Like we consecrate ourselves by this uh like kind of burning oblation it's set apart for god like we can't deny the fact that this has been offered to him well, that's the thing as... the paschal lamb needed to be roasted yeah. and then eaten it's so beautiful i love it i love 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 it yeah so wow. the fact that we consecrate it by like oil and then we 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 consecrate it by fire like those are the two there's a prayer and then it's oil and fire those are the actions and then from there we have um deacons go throughout the church with thuribles incensing the entire church and the people they cool. go through every room they go into the confessionals they go into the sacristies with incense it's like that those are the two actions so if anyone's attending with incense allergies bring lots of tissues yes Perhaps an inhaler mm -hmm. or an or, N95 mask. Yeah, either one. Any of that will work. Yeah. Wow. Um, but the last thing that I love about this dedication of the church is the fact that at the very end of Mass, so we have, you know, all of the dedication rites happen. Mass, the sacrifice of the Eucharist takes place. Uh, we all receive the Blessed Sacrament and Communion. And at the end, there is uh, the single ciborium left on the altar. And the bishop goes in front and kneels in front of the altar in front of our Eucharistic Lord and adores him. And then he stands up. For like how long? Eh, just a few minutes, moments. Okay. It's up to him. Depends on how tired he feels. Okay. Um, he stands up. He picks up the ciborium uh, wearing a humeral veil. And then he processes throughout the entirety of the church. 
and I have the wrap all, the route all mapped out and everything, but he processes throughout the entirety of the church with the Blessed Sacrament in his mm-hmm. consecrated church for the first time. And at the very end, he processes up the center aisle and directly to the tabernacle and puts the ciborium in the tabernacle for the first time. Mm. And it's the Lord enthroning himself in his church. Wow. And then we all kneel and he incenses the Blessed Sacrament inside the tabernacle for the first time. And then um, at the very end of adoring him there, the deacon gets up, closes the door and locks it. And that's the first time the tabernacle is used. So now the Lord resides among his people in this church. That's insane. Are we going to be doing music? Yes. Okay. It's not a choir, though. It's no. just a we have a We have a few different cantors, but they're each singing kind of like one at a time. Yeah. You know? Okay. But there will be music. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because I'm just picturing like that ending and then like some majestic choir and oh, yeah. organ just erupting. And it's I mean, like a giant It's going to be, oh, God, be all no praising. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Little, little, uh, are they doing the three verses or are they just doing those two? I don't, I haven't seen all of them. I think they're doing the third. Um, but there's a specific verse that's written for Dominicans that I think will be used. What? Yeah. We use it all of our provincial ordinations. Can you you send that to me? Can I see that? Yeah. A Dominican verse to a God beyond all praising? Of course. Okay. Yeah, we're done. So, um, yeah, that's that's what we're getting ready for. We're excited for it. We're we are. We'll also sleep very well at the end of it. <laughs> nope, I got the nine p.m. mass that night. Well, so. I mean, like, <laughs> you're, well, still at the end of it, the end of the day. Yeah, it'll be beautiful because this it's is a long it's time a lot. coming. Can real quick, what are the relics that are going in the altar? Okay, there are five relics. I just um, somebody else was asking the other day, and it's actually changed a handful of times, so what? I had to write them down. Have we had like certain relics given and then taken away or like, I don't know. Just... I don't know. It's... Okay. Okay. So, um, Maria Goretti, Ooh. um, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Dominic, St. Martin de Porras, nice. St. Albert the Great, Wow. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Ah, so we got five relics all going in the altar. Very excited all about goodness. those guns. Wow. Yeah. That's a nice little starting five basketball team there too. Yeah, can we get more? Like, does oh the... yeah, all the relics. Let's get them all. But but can you like add more to the altar, or is uh, it no. like you just hang them around the church? We would not add any more into the altar. Okay. Uh, we would create other niches, uh, reliquaries, places of uh, veneration for future relics. Sweet. Okay. Yep. Well, cool. I'm excited. All we'll right. see y'all there. See you there. Thank you for joining us and listening to this episode of The Grounded Catholic. We are very excited to have this dedication of the church right around the corner. We invite you to join us in prayer, but also to join us for the dedication itself via the live stream. The link to the live stream of the dedication mass can be found on the parish website, which is stauva.org. And please join us for that. And no matter where you are, you can be able to watch it and kind of join this exciting event in the history of our campus ministry and the history of our parish. As always, please like and share this episode, subscribe to our podcast, and you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. And all of the episodes are on our website, catholicwhos.org slash podcast. That's catholicwhos, H-O-O-S 
www.thepeopleshow.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening and God bless. Thank you.